Insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24. Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine. Join us on our journey into the past, the present, and the future as we explore the relationship between technology and humanity. Together, we're going to find out what it means to live in a society where everything is connected and the only constant is change. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. RSA Security offers business-driven security solutions that provide organizations with a unified approach to managing digital risk that hinges on integrated visibility, automated insights, and coordinated actions. Learn more at rsa.com. Mostly Harley. Let's have fun. Yeah, right, let's do it. I'm game. All right. Go. All right, Marco. Sean. Are you ready? I'm always ready. You know that. You're always, always asking me a question, I the same a, question. It's the same question every time. The, the day that I say I'm not ready, you need to be ready. Exactly. <laughs> and we'll just start again and I'll ask again. Yeah, exactly. And always ready, you know, for what? For an interesting conversation and for new guests and uh, opening the conversation about cybersecurity and technology and humanity and business in this and business and business and it, it's hard to pick a favorite kid uh, but the business <laughs> of security is is my favorite channel that's your baby you can keep it because <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it, it crosses from certainly we, we have people using technology and and we have to figure out how to use technology to our advantage but it crosses over into business as well. And that's why I really, really like these conversations. Yeah, and, and when, it, when it does that, it touches everything else. It's society, exactly. the employees, full management, and, and, to, and how certain business actually do end up in a way, in a good or in a bad way, to influence society and the exactly. way that they represent uh, their brand and what they, they believe into. But right. We're getting philosophical already. Too we much, are. So yeah. Let's uh, let's and move our, in with our guest. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. We're. I'm. I'm thrilled to uh, introduce everybody to Joshua Scott. Uh, Josh, thanks for joining us here. Hey, thanks for having me, Sean and Marco. Nice. To, yeah. Nice to be on. Absolutely. And, uh, yeah. So this is the business of security, and today uh, with Josh, we're going to focus on security as a business enabler, uh, which makes perfect sense for this channel. And uh, maybe Josh, just a quick word about your history, your your path to uh, the current point in time, and then we'll then we'll dig into some of the good stuff. Okay, not that that's um, not good, but right. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been in the in the tech field for about twenty five years, and really got into security about twenty two years ago, um, and was spent most of my career on the IC side, basically doing engineering and architecture work, and then 
probably about eight, eight, eight and a half years ago, I got into the leadership side. And that's really when I started learning more about, you know, how to make security more of an enabler, how to make security more of a value add instead of just a cost center. Uh, security has always historically been seen as a cost center and a detractor to certain sorts of the business. And, you know, what I found more and more is, you know, we need to turn security into uh, into an enabler. We need to stop being the network police. We need to stop being the team of no. We need to actually help the business. And by doing that, we have to we have to learn the business. We have to understand what it is that we do. Um, so it was a, it was a fun journey, and you know my team did extremely well, and we you know we did that over the course of eight years. We built a team that you know was very business focused, was very you know leveraging technology, but we were focused on delivering value to the organization. Yeah, also because. And this is one of the experiments that we're running. We want to kind of show everybody that uh, ultimately every company nowadays is a technology company. So many times you think like, yes, if you are a software company, if you are a security company, you need, you need the CISO. But then actually you may even need it more when you're not, when your main focus is not technology and yet you do use a lot of technology, which is your, your case, right? So a little bit about, about that. I mean, what, the kind of business you, you were running and, and you had to protect. Yeah, so we were, we were a, definitely a, a B2C type company. So, you know, primarily consumer focused with quite a bit of, you know, B2B as well. So, our, you know, our, our, we were consumer focused, but a large part of the business also had a, a, you know, customer focus, which we were selling directly to realtors. You know, there's significant amounts of data that we're collecting on both sides and, and storing on behalf of the realtors or collecting, you know, from the consumers. Uh, but ultimately, like you said, you know, I mean, technology is an enabler of the business as well as, you know, security should be an enabler. So it, it wasn't the business, even though we were a website, but really it was, you know, we were doing creating relationships and creating tools to actually help the realtors, but technology was another tool set in the, in the arsenal. And that's ultimately what I was trying to do from a security standpoint is I wanted security to be looked at as just another tool in the arsenal to help us achieve our business objectives. So talk to us a little bit about, I mean, so many directions to go here. Let's start with this. So 13 plus years uh, yeah. leading into uh, the CISO role. Um, I think maybe a third of that was actually as a CISO, a quarter of that as a CISO. Um, yeah. Talk to us about that growth into that role and being based in technology and incident response. I think it was, I see uh, you mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. All of that. So, yeah, I mean, after talk, talk I, to us about that and how, how that shaped how you thought as a CISO. Okay. Um, I'm the first five years as an engineer architect, I was kind of the first security hire within the organization. Um, you know, we got to see a lot of, you know, interesting things about the organization, but I was very focused on, on tech and security and not really on the business. Um, so kind of the, the journey, once I became kind of, you know, once I formed the team, I, I was the one to literally form, you know, the security team um, and hire everyone and bring everybody on board and group the team up to about 10 people. Um, I learned a lot. So initially, you know, I, I made a lot of mistakes when, you know, within the first couple of years of, you know, being a little bit too compliance focused or, you know, maybe looking at, uh, you know, too many frameworks and trying to follow those types of things instead of really following, you know, what the business needed. Um, so, you know, fast forward a couple of years and, you know, really I took a step back and, you know, as a team, we started understanding what do we do from a business standpoint? And then, you know, reaching out to key stakeholders, talking to, you know, product managers and, and you know, uh, head of finance and head of HR and finding out what is it that's important to them? Uh, what are the things that keep them up at night? And just having very simple conversations with them. 
um, the insights we got from that were, you know, invaluable because that's really what we needed to, you know, kind of tailor the program to address business risk. Because, you know, you can give me a hundred security people and I'll still have plenty of things to do. So that's just not realistic. So what we need to do is, you know, we need to be able to provide value in the areas where it matters to the business. Um, so by not understanding the business, which is, you know, like I said, the first couple of years, I think we were not doing a good, you know, we were doing the business a disservice. So once we had a better understanding of what the business was, what was important to the business, how we wanted to enable the business. And, you know, we went through a major transformation from a tech standpoint in like 2015. Uh, we started going, you know, we were a legacy data center, you know, .NET shop, Microsoft, everything. Uh, and we went cloud first, um, you know, Linux stack, uh, definitely, you know, adopting DevOps principles and really, you know, trying to, trying to do that. Uh, we found that it's a, the perfect time to really inject security into, you know, kind of the, the fabric of how we were doing things. Um, and it actually proved to be very successful because, you know, because of our focus on making security an enabler, because of our focus on, you know, making security, you know, show value and focusing on the things we should be focusing on, we found it was much easier to adopt. Uh, we found security was not getting in the way. We were actually helping things. And, and how easy was it? <laughs> or how not, hard piece of cake yeah it's very <laughs> simple yeah we i mean it was done in like a couple months and you know it was you know five years of not doing much from there now it was it was extremely difficult um, it took a lot of convincing i mean you know like i said probably they from when i formed the team to you know to current state um, i mean it, it was always a battle to kind of justify why do we need security because it was a company that didn't have security before really right. security yeah. really wasn't it was an afterthought it was a bolt-on it was you know we needed it for compliance purposes you know for pci or or just you know because there had been a few you know incidents um so really getting changing the mindset changing the culture really getting the organization to care about security was hard it was really hard and that's really why you know i started focusing on understanding what was important to them. Was it like a key element, like, a, 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 you know, a Eureka moment that you were like, this is probably the story that I need to tell in order to get them grasp that there is value in all of this? Yeah, I mean, I think there was a couple, couple stories that happened along the way. I mean, you know, there were various incidents that would happen, you know, minor, nothing significantly major, but, you know, enough to really get people worried. Um, so, you know, it was a matter of understanding what are the elements that really people are concerned about. Um, and I said, and that's when we really started talking more to the product managers and to, you know, the folks that, you know, really kind of carry the lifeblood of the, of the company. When we understand what makes them worried uh, and what are the elements that they're really concerned about and we start protecting those, we go after, you know, the thing that really concerns them and then fix that. Uh, we found that we got a lot more support and then it kind of was just a snowball effect. You know, once, once we solve a couple problems and they see that we're actually trying to solve it in a way that helps the business, um, then they're more willing to, you know, continue that, that, uh, that support and, you know, continue helping, uh, getting involved and continue actually giving us what we need. Uh, but it definitely was extremely difficult. I mean, and it was, you know, it was always a justification. Hey, here's why we need to do this because security is taking away time you know, from, other things, right? You know, when you're asking engineering teams to actually do work on fixing a vulnerability, you're taking that time away from them actually doing work on releasing a new feature. So it's also about, you know, changing the language we use, changing the, the way we explain things instead of, you know, another mistake we, we learned along the way too is we were far too technical in how we were explaining things. Um, so we really had to, you know, 
simplify it, reduce the use of jargon, um, start talking about it in you know layman's terms or business terms, and really talk about you know here's what the impact is, here's what could potentially happen, and let the business make decisions on you know where we should where we need to go. You know here's here's a risk, okay, we can do nothing, and here's what could potentially happen, or we can actually invest it and you know reduce that potential risk. Um, so when we explain things a little bit more simple, uh, we found that you know people were willing to people generally want to do the right thing. So it's just a matter of they don't understand. And I think that's kind of the disconnect between, you know, security teams and the businesses, you know, maybe we make things too complicated. Yeah, I think you're spot on there. And we, I think we do ourselves a, a disservice with, uh, with the language and the jargon and the mysteriousness about what, what uh, we're trying to accomplish here. Yeah. And so with that in mind, I know you mentioned risk management, compliance and, and, incidents and fear and, and those are all certainly drivers that we continue to see uh, to get the attention of the executive staff and, and the board. Um, I, I want to get your view on how you moved beyond that and maybe specifically for an organization that has data that's public and private and uh, from consumers and employees and partners and internal uh, proprietary information. How, and obviously a, a tech stack that's in the cloud and probably some on-prem as well. So how, how did you then drive business value into your organization with security as a leader for that time, quicker time to market with offerings, um, building of consumer trust perhaps as a, as a benefit? How, how did you move things forward? What we found is... Um, we really didn't want to get in the way of achieving business objectives. We wanted to be able to complement and enable those teams. Um, so initially, you know, we didn't want to be the team of no. So here we are, you know, we want to, we want people to adopt security practices. We want them to, you know, to, we want to, to help them achieve business objectives in a secure manner, but we can't get in their way. Um, so we started looking at ways of, you know, automating things within like the build cycle. Let's actually automate something. Uh, let's put in guardrails so that we can actually fail fast early on within like, uh, you know, the release of a new software package, fail it early on so that the engineer gets some kind of fast feedback and then they're quickly able to make a decision. And it really what doesn't impact their ability to, you know, deliver with the velocity that we actually wanted from a company standpoint. So by, you know, by getting out of their way and really making things really simple and providing them, uh, you know, quick feedback, we found that actually that allowed them to continue moving things along. The other thing too is, you know, we wanted to be able to provide as much value as possible by, you know, uh, triaging thing, uh, triaging vulnerabilities as they come in or, or issues and really taking out the, the guesswork for an engineer. So, you know, we don't necessarily need every engineer on our in, within the engineering teams to be a security expert. We want them to actually focus on writing great product and, you know, writing code. So what we were doing is let's, you know, let's analyze these vulnerabilities and let's make sure that anything we do give to the engineering teams is, you know, high fidelity, that we know this is a vulnerability, you know, with, you know, 90% uh, certainty so that they're only working on things that matter. They're only working on things that actually are important to the business. Um, when we started doing that, we, we actually found that, you know, through some of the, the data we were getting, we were reducing about 85% of the vulnerabilities out of their work, out of their queue, which is great, right? So when we talk about being an enabler, we're actually reducing a lot of work that they were previously doing. Um, so that's another thing that kind of, that's another lever that helped kind of push the, you know, the needle further is we, the teams were seeing that we were actually reducing their workload by also, and also delivering value. Cause then as we assign them a vulnerability, we're giving them tons of extra data on how to do it. You know, we were actually even starting to, you know, experiment with, you know, here's some libraries, common libraries you can use. Here's some, you know, here's some ways, here's some 
patterns to actually implement so that you know it rolls out securely from the very beginning. So they see that we're doing all these things to actually help the business. Um, and that, that, that was huge. And from a data standpoint, you know, it, what we, we have, we have a lot of data. I mean, that was one of the things, you know, we, we really are a data company. So there's, you know, petabytes and petabytes of data across the organization and, you know, ranging from public data, consumer oriented data to, you know, uh, data that realtors entrust to us through the various platforms. So really, you know, because of the vast sprawl of systems we have and the amount of data we have, it was really more of a prioritization effort of saying, okay, here's the most critical elements of data, you know, that have some kind of, you know, compliance requirement or fine requirement, you know, something related like CCPA, and then categorizing those a certain way and ensuring that those are protected. And then kind of, you know, just moving along, you know, the path of, okay, let's start with the most critical data elements and the critical assets. And then, move down to the, you know, the medium assets and the medium uh, data elements and kind of, you know, work our way down. We actually never got beyond medium because, you know, if it's, in, if it's something low, it's like, well, let's, let's focus on things that are critical and, and, and medium to the business. And uh, I mean, as you mentioned, you know, with, with Realtor, I mean, you're managing data and you're connecting several industry, to be honest. I mean, it's not just selling to a specific target audience. You're, you're connecting the vendors, the realtors, the seller, the buyers, and everything in between, because then there's people that work on those homes and all that kind of stuff. So um, it sounds like a, a pretty complex scenario, but I agree with you when you say that simplifying the story is, is the key to make it happen. And talking about simplification, many times, you know, you look at security and you're like, oh, here's one more process. Here's one more stop. Here's another filter. Here's another knobs that you can turn. But going towards simplifying this with such a complex system, where where did you start really seeing the success into managing this relationship? So, I mean, it was, it was hard. It was very hard to kind of, you know, figure out where to start and how do we actually show where we had progress. And it took, you know, a, a few years to really be able to see that value. Because um, ultimately, you know, I didn't want to put in additional process that didn't provide value. I was very, you know, big on actually showing the value of what my team did to the, to the company. Um, so it was a matter of, you know, finding those key areas where we could actually, you know, add process and add process that actually provided some type of value and reduce vulnerability, reduce exposure. Um, but on the, you know, at the same time too, looking at existing processes that may have already existed. So, you know, when I first formed the security team, you know, we were largely focused on compliance initiatives like Sarbanes-Oxley. And we had tons of, you know, IT controls that were doing, you know, a, a multitude of uh, different types of, of items. And the operational burden from that was crazy. So it was a matter of, you know, how do we actually look at things? How do we be, pra- be pragmatic with, you know, with our thinking and say, we don't really need this. Let, let's look at this control and let's say, you know what, do we, does this really provide any kind of value? If it's not providing any value, then let's get rid of it. Uh, you know, so having a lot of discussions with auditors and with the business and, you know, because I think there's kind of this, you know, thought process that, oh, we, we need to, we need to do this because, you know, some, you know, some checklist says we need to do it or some compliance initiative says we need to do it, but there are lots of ways to solve a problem. So we would actually make sure that, you know, we looked at it and we said, let's solve this with, you know, let's solve it so it makes sense. And so it, and we see that it actually does provide value and it achieves the outcome we want. So that was another thing too, is we really started focusing on what is the outcome we're looking to achieve. We want to reduce, you know, operational burden and, you know, reduce, uh, you know, the impact of a threat or reduce the impact of a vulnerability. And I can envision a number of scenarios or uh, I'll call them business workflows here, but I'm wondering how, uh, boy, I'm trying to figure out how to phrase this question that it's not so broad that you can (laughs) actually answer it, but 
Uh, first off, I'm looking for, is there a relationship that you've established that allows, that's allowed you to enable the business? So I guess my first thought is you have your relationship with the executive team, um, but is that the relationship that really matters or is there another one perhaps with an architect or with operations team or, right. and cause you mentioned cloud first, I would imagine uh, mobile was a big part of your transition a few years ago as well. Um, you have the customer facing stuff. You probably have portals that uh, partners and other folks uh, connect to. So with the relationship question in mind, how did you ensure that new stuff could be brought to market quickly and perhaps right. even more quickly through the use of an adoption of technologies that may have not been possible before without security as part of that conversation. Right. I mean, relationships are key. So, you know, when we started our cloud transformation in 2015, uh, we'd actually formed a cloud services working group, which was actually going to develop the kind of the, the strategy for moving into the cloud and moving away from our data centers. Um, and, you know, we maintain that relationship with our cloud uh, cloud engineering team for, you know, actually that was one of the best relationships we had. We worked very closely with them and we found that, you know, we needed to be embedded early on. We needed to be supporting the, you know, the, the requirements of you know, moving fast because that was one of the goals was, you know, let's tra transition into the cloud, but we want to be able to support, a, you know, high velocity and, you know, DevOps principles and all that. So, you know, having good relationships with the cloud teams, with the, you know, some of the infrastructure teams, with the engineering teams, with the product teams. I mean, it, it basically, Anywhere throughout the organization, there you know, it, 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 relationships are key, um, and I think that's that's probably one of the, you know one of the things that I wish wish I would have known early on from from a, a CISO standpoint and from leading a team is how important that really is, uh, because understanding the business, uh, you know, forming those relationships, uh, maintaining those relationships, you know, uh, communicating with those folks uh, is key, um, and it's something that I didn't initially do, and once we started doing that. We, we saw the benefits of it. We saw that, you know, they kept us in the loop. Uh, we kept them in the loop as well. We, we, we didn't do enough things like, you know, even celebrating our successes when we actually, you know, worked with the cloud team. We developed a very, you know, very solid AWS architecture um, that, you know, is still in use today. Um, we didn't actually celebrate those successes early on and make sure that the business understood the value that we provided. Um, so, you know, fast forward a couple of years, we started doing that, but, you know, that was an opportunity to actually, you know, something we learned is, we form the relationship. We work with them to, you know, to, to deliver that value. We need to celebrate those successes and make sure that they understand that. Otherwise, you know, you still get that whole black box mentality. Right? Who is, what is that team doing? What are they doing? They, you know, we send things into them and it's a black box. We never find out what's, what's going on until they tell us it's a new issue. And maybe as a follow-up to this, uh, perhaps an example of another success that you can share. I think a lot of organizations build stuff and they collect data, store data, share data, enable services, build the most robust thing possible because they can. It's cool. It's fun, right? It's whiz bang. It's going to get perhaps the attention of the, of the user of that device or that app. With that, you then have to test for quality. You then have to test for exposure. You then have to test for compliance and all these other things that add to the scope of not just to having a cool product, but to actually building it and running it and maintaining it and keeping it uh, in line with the regulations. So is there a story you can share where you helped to actually define the, the product or the service in a way that achieved the business objective while also maintaining or, or perhaps even reducing the scope and they're bringing it yeah, I mean, faster even perhaps? I don't know. 
there's quite a few different areas. So, you know, I mean, one of the areas we did quite a work on and quite a bit of work on, and actually the security team provided a lot of value was within our, our authentication system. Um, so now from a realtor standpoint, you know, we had 75 million plus uh, unique visitors a month. And I, I can't remember the exact number of, of entities within the, the system, but it's a very large authentication system where, you know, that there, and there's a lot of complexity behind it, uh, quite a few systems. So what we did is, you know, one of my uh, head architects, security architects would actually sit with the team, make sure that, you know, we understand what are the risks, what are the trade-offs. Um, and something that was going to take a significant amount of time from an engineering standpoint to actually roll out an upgrade to this authentication system. Um, we actually, you know, the security team worked with them, said, let's actually, you know, pare down those requirements to ensure that, you know, maybe we don't need to do X, Y, and Z, uh, you know, not going into too much detail because I don't want to uh, give away too many things on, on how that works. But, um, you know, we would pare down some of the requirements. We'd work with them to actually understand that, you know, is this particular requirement really needed from a security standpoint. Obviously there are some that are functional requirements and, and non-security related, but from a security standpoint, how could we remove any kind of barriers for the, from, uh, you know, from that project standpoint? Um, so we found actually a lot of success there because the teams were actually coming to us more and more. It, in some cases, we actually found that the engineering teams were, were leveraging us to actually push back on other teams because they didn't want a, a new feature off. They're like, hey, can you find a security issue with this? We're like, well, no, I mean, that's, that's you know, we're, we're, we want to be transparent and we're to help the business. But we've, we appreciated that because they saw that they wanted to work with us and they were you know, leveraging security. Um, that was one area where we saw, you know, quite a bit of value. Another big one too, and, you know, to, you know, to the point about, you know, releasing new software and releasing new things, it came down to a, you know, prioritizing things, uh, prioritizing products and all that. So if it was something that, you know, was tied to a flagship product that was tied to high revenue, then all of those had, you know, certain set, set of checks and balances that they had to go through. Um, but for elements that, you know, weren't as critical, um, they didn't have that extra scrutiny. Um, so it allowed those teams to still continue moving faster. Now, you know, at some point we wanted to go back and actually retrofit and put some kind of controls within those areas. But, you know, it was a conscious decision to actually focus on the assets that really matter, that really, you know, matter from a business standpoint, from a revenue standpoint, and from a risk standpoint. Um, and then on top of that too, we were actually embedding things into the build cycle so that, you know, Basically, it was secure by default. As we built things, they were actually already configured secure. So engineers didn't need to worry about, let me configure this S3 bucket to be secure, or let me configure this other element to be secure. It was already secure to begin with. And the goal was, let's make it simple and easy for them to actually roll out secure. You know, there's kind of that school of thought from, you know, things that I was taught from a security standpoint early on in my career is, you know, there's two ends of the spectrum. One of them is ease of use. And the other one is total security. And you got to find that balance between the two. And I don't, I don't believe that's true. And I've never believed that's true. I think you can actually have very, very good security and still have good, you know, ease of use. And that was one of my, uh, my objectives to my team is, you know, let's, let's have good security and make it very, very simple and transparent to the end user. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I was having some thoughts in my head while you were going in that direction and it, Sean, it kind of make me feel like we're talking about redefining security now, which is another channel that we have. But you know, it's all mixed together. And and I you, think from you want to dig, you want to dip into it a little bit. To, well, to you know, I, that, I, there is a team belief beneath the and work, working with the CISO, right? Yeah, yeah, I I have an angle that that I want to kind of go put that perspective and the light from as maybe we start wrapping and maybe look at you know the future of of the the role and, and, and how it interacts with the business. So is this, we always look at security is there because the business has an idea and then we jump in and we enable that idea. 
right? Well, we have to patch something that maybe was not a good idea. Right. But I feel like the future, when you start talking about secure by design, it's instead of following the digital transformation and being the guys like, hey, wait, wait a minute, this is a good idea. Let me talk to the security team. What if the security team is actually the business, not just the enabler, but the driver? The so that some business are based actually on security decision. And I may think a couple now that may be going there, like Apple, I feel like is making some decision that for the consumer, driving privacy and all that kind of stuff. But I feel like you could be that business person with the security uniform on. What yeah. do you think? I mean, I, I completely agree. It was something that uh, I had quite a few discussions with, you know, some of the product leaders about, you know, what are the what are the unique advantages that, you know, security provides to our customers and how do we actually leverage that as well? You know, you think about, I mean, every consumer is, you know, demanding MFA and, you know, those types of things within a product set. So how do we actually productize those types of things and, you know, and actually, you know, not necessarily sell them, but I mean, offer these features out to consumers and really start thinking about security as a you know, as another component of the of the feature set. Um, it's not just a bolt-on thing that you do afterwards. I mean, I definitely think that, you know, rethinking the way we do security is huge because I think the way we've been doing it for the past, you know, X number of years really hasn't worked that well, right? I think it's, you know, we focus too much on, you know, a lot of detection and after the fact type uh, issues instead of actually looking at, you know, let's preventing, let's prevent things from happening in the first place. Um, let's, you know, let's look at preventative type controls. Let's look at proactive type controls. Let's look at risk differently. Um, cause you know, some of the things that we do from a security standpoint are, uh, are, I don't know, just, I think they're, they're, the operational burden is too high and they don't really provide that much value. Like one of the things, perfect example is from a, a SecOps standpoint, you know, we were investigating, you know, all the different telemetry and alerts at various systems, IPS and, and AV and, and our SIM were, were generating. And, you know, after doing, you know, doing it for a couple of years and I had, you know, a team actually responding to those types of things, you know, the value provided by all that, all those systems was really, really low. So, you know, basically took a step back and said, all right, you know, if 90% of these are false positive, and we keep on tuning the system, we're not really driving that number down. I think we're wasting our time. We actually need to be looking at, you know, things differently. Let's look at, you know, how can we actually enact more change? How can we actually reduce risk? And by having the team chase around alerts that really don't mean much to the business and don't really help things, we're, you know, we're eating up resources, we're eating up time. I'd rather focus those time, th those individuals time on something that's actually much more valuable. So we stopped doing most of that monitoring. We turned it all off and we opted to say, let's look at, you know, monitoring differently. Let's only focus on high fidelity type things. Let's, let's follow kind of the way that they're doing from a DevOps standpoint is you build it, you own it. So let's involve those teams from an engineering standpoint. We're going to write an alert. We're going to write the system that actually generates the alerts, but you as the engineer or the, you know, the person, the owner of that uh, system, you're going to get the alert because you have the most amount of context. You know, you need, that means we need to make sure that we present it to them in a way that they understand, but then they need to take the next action. And that was really what we were working on. Let's change the way we look at security, you know, also decentralize. And an incentive to uh, not make that mistake over and over and, and over. Again, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and let them help me. I mean, they should be just, they're a first class citizen. I mean, they, they should help drive the system as well. So, right. you know, they have a lot of good insights into their application and into their system. Let's let them help write some of the alerts too. It shouldn't just be, you know, the security team coming up with everything from a security standpoint, because we're not yeah. the experts in all of it. Yeah, love it. Context is key. I'm, I'm glad yep. you mentioned that. And as we as we come to uh, to a close here, Joshua, I'd, I'd 
I'd like you to kind of dig back to your past. So 13 years uh, leading into this role, um, there's no, we know there's no easy button for security. But perhaps looking back, you can say, these are the things that I've experienced that really, really matter. And perhaps this time spent here, uh, I, could, I could avoid or do differently uh, in support of the business. It's maybe an example of both of those. Okay. Um, something we did early on, um, automation was a key thing. That was something we didn't do enough of early on. And I think that's why, you know, we re I really started focusing on security engineering and really making that a core element of the team uh, because we wanted to automate some of the processes that we had in place. So that, that was huge. Um, but, you know, even more important than that was really having the right people. Um, so I, I did a good job. I, I hired amazing people. Uh, my team was great and I, I have a ton of respect for them. And um, they were the reason why we were able to do, accomplish a lot of, you know, everything that we were able to accomplish. So I had the right people. Uh, I made sure that, you know, I, I focused on, what was important to them and what they wanted to do. Because, you know, when you find somebody's very passionate and you actually give them, you know, the, the latitude to actually, you know, use those passions and really focus on what they want to do, the output is amazing. And to me that, you know, having the right people in place was really probably the biggest thing that helped uh, the program succeed. And then from there, it was focusing on, you know, showing value, uh, really reporting back to the business, the value that we actually provide. I think that with this, it's a good uh, summary of the conversation and actually a hopeful look into, into the future where, where the, the security team and the CISO roles become more and more a business role and not yeah. just the, let's call yeah. that guy. It's not, just, <laughs> right. it's not just the tech stack. It's not just monitoring and response. No, and that's, <laughs> that's much, exactly much what drives our conversation for the business of security, which is uh, it's, it's part of the business at all effect and with the, the right, I think, to, to be there nowadays with all the technology that is permeating the business all over the places. So great conversation, yeah. Joshua. I really appreciate you bringing your experience on a field that, uh, in an industry that many people don't think required much security, but it actually it does. Yeah, so yeah. we'll discover more and more like this. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks a million, Joshua. Really, really good to connect with you and, and to hear your CISO story as part of our business of security channel here. Right, thank you. Yeah, this has been great. Been a lot of fun to talk about it. Thank you. RSA Security offers business-driven security solutions that provide organizations with a unified approach to managing digital risk that hinges on integrated visibility, automated insights, and coordinated actions. Learn more at rsa.com. We hope you enjoyed this conversation. If you learned something new and the story made you think, then share ITSP Magazine friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our columns. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.
insights, solutions, and networking all come together at RSA Conference. Join a global cybersecurity community at rsaconference.com forward slash ITSP MAG24.